Yo, what's up, people? This is Gary A. Swaby, and you're now listening to a new episode of Turn-Based Podcast, which is our RPG podcast. And I'm here with Mr. Jake James Lugo. How are you doing, JJ? I'm doing good. There is a lot to unpack from D23. Like, we, we, you guys talked about it on the co-op not too long ago, and I wasn't on it, so I didn't even get to comment on any of that stuff. But now we're going to kind of deep dive into all of it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I definitely needed to get your opinion, especially because, you know, we were both at the Kingdom Hearts Orchestra together. Um, so, you know, when Nomura came out and he made that announcement that some major news is going to happen at D23, you know, we was all pumped for it. And I don't think we were expecting it to be like this amazing. So, yeah, I've talked about it on the pod, on the co-op podcast, but I'm going to, you know, pass pass it over to you right now so you can tell me everything you was thinking when you saw the new toy story world and you know we'll get to the 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 release stuff later but uh what what was you thinking when you saw that footage uh i thought it looked very good a lot of people seem to be very impressed and it's crazy because we could get down on this game uh really hard for like a short period of time and then as soon as they show us something everybody goes gaga over it which i find pretty funny uh, because it's like a cycle every time, you know, involving this game because it's been in development for so long. But besides that, the footage itself, it looks very, very good. It, if you guys haven't seen it yet, I'm pretty sure you've seen it out on YouTube at some point. But besides new gameplay in the Olympus area, the Olympus Coliseum area, which is the Hercules world, we finally got our first look at Toy Story or at least Andy's room and the world of Toy Story because it's not just Andy's room, which I think is great. You know, totally unexpected. We got a good look at Woody, Buzz, and some of the other toys that are part of the Toy Story mythos, part of the Toy Story films, which they look like they're pulled straight out of the movies. Like, it's crazy how good they look in that engine and how good they look next to Sora, Donald, and Goofy in their toy forms, which... They're doing the same thing again like they've done in previous games where Sora and crew kind of change up their appearance whenever they go into a specific world or different types of worlds. And for this one, they look like Figma figures. If you know if you know what Figma uh, figures are, they're kind of like Japanese, like action posable figures that you could buy. And they have like, you know, various different like joints and stuff that you could pose in a variety of different ways. And it looks cool because they just match up with the rest of those worlds because they're, they look like different type of toy with next to Woody, Buzz... Yeah. And the rest of them. Yeah, I thought that was definitely a nice touch. How they made them, you know, look like uh, toy figures and stuff as well. Uh, yeah, and, and it just it just looked good overall. Now, the stuff I thought was really interesting. Okay, the the, the really super interesting stuff was when they actually decided to go outside of Andy's room, and you're in the street. And you're going all the way to the toy store fighting the Heartless. And they have a variety of different Heartless types that are there. So they look like action figures, the, the different Heartless, which is really cool. But when you get into the toy store footage, you're actually seeing Sora jump into these giant robots. And then it turns into like a first-person shooter-like uh, style of game with that type of gameplay. And I thought that was a nice twist to everything. Because as soon as he jumps into it, you're like controlling like if you're playing something either out of Titanfall or Halo just in general yeah. and it looks really cool it matched up well and obviously you're not in those mechs for very long it doesn't look like you're going to be in there for very long it's going to probably be tied to the flow motion i mean i couldn't really get a good look to see if like there was any meters going down or anything of the sort but i would imagine that they don't want you to stay in there for a very long time like it's got to be like some sort of drawback to being in there besides you being super powerful when you're taking out the heartless with the robots but overall it looked very good like there's a lot of space to roam around in you're walking down the streets of andy's neighborhood i would be very surprised if you could go to sid's house I i'm really curious besides going to the toy store if you'll be able to visit sid's house and maybe there's like an optional boss there or like another like side quest you have to do with the toys that'd be very very cool that, now that would be yeah. Now, one of the other things that we have to note, which we'll probably talk about in a bit, but, you know, going off that footage, uh, they Nomura did confirm that there will be another playable character in the game. He couldn't say who it is. I'm inferring that it's probably Riku. I think that's a safe bet. I think that if they want to be bold and they want to really kind of put a twist on everything and get a rise out of everybody, they'll make Kyrie playable, which I've met some people and I know some people have talked about it saying that they don't want that. They would rather have Riku because he seems like a little bit more of a, of a more important character in the grand mythos of everything. But we're getting another playable character. And I don't think it's going to be a Roxas situation. I think that it'll be situational related to the plot, but I don't think it's going to be one of those things where it's not going to have any weight to it. But who knows? 
this point. Overall, it was a good showing for Kingdom Hearts at uh, D23. I think that was really great. I'm surprised we didn't get the Frozen Worlds like I kept saying we were going to get. That was a nice surprise that we got Toy Story instead. Yeah, uh, and you know who says there still won't be a frozen world that could still happen especially with them you know um coming out with a frozen 2 so they might want to cross promote anyway but um i think it was cool that they went with toy story because you know it was, it was definitely more of a surprise and um it looks fantastic like the game looks amazing and it's definitely got me more interested in playing it as well and you know i definitely want to uh, make sure i beat the first two games as well before this one comes comes out and I definitely feel like, uh, cause they, they made a switch to the Unreal Engine and apparently that's why the game's taking so long. But it, it definitely shows that, um, you know, the, the, the Unreal Engine must be, um, it must be doing them well. It must be serving them well with the fact that they have so many different types of gameplay options, you know, with, uh, like you mentioned with the toys jumping into the, the robot toys and shooting and stuff. Like, uh, that was all pretty cool. Now I want to touch on I want to touch on something you just mentioned, which was the the thing about the game taking so long. Because Nomura made a statement about this in in various interviews, and I think the one that everybody was quoting was from IGN. I want to say I could be wrong. I don't remember exactly who it came from, but he did like three or four different interviews talking about different things related to the, the reveal. And one of the things that he talked about was that the reason why things have been taking so long or at least, you know, as, as a good summary of it, again, I'm paraphrasing, was saying that it wasn't his fault, basically. That it was out of his hands and was more the company. I felt like he was pushing blame a little bit onto Square Enix themselves. And there's been a lot of conflicting reports all over the place from some sources saying that Nomura, again, being a very big perfectionist, that's like the common uh, belief for like the longest time, that he was really kind of like really strict on on how the actual quality of the games were go- were progressing along, and it was just we're taking way too long. And it felt like a little bit where he was combating that, like he was firing back and throwing stones, saying that, listen, and, and I think part of it is like caving under the pressure a little bit or, or cracking under the pressure a little bit because of the reactions from everybody. Because this has been going on for a while. This has been going on for years since it was first announced. And he, he's been the name thrown out there as the reason why this is taking for so long. And I think there is some truth to it, but... I think that he should have never addressed it in, in my personal opinion. I think that that shouldn't have been part of the conversation. I think that he should have dodged it if he could, and it should have been more focused on what's going into the game, what was shown and what we could expect in the future. Because I, I don't know if necessarily I liked that his response to it all. Yeah. I mean, I can understand that he, he might be frustrated because I can imagine there's probably a lot of um, conflict that goes on, you know, within the company internally. Um, so he must be frustrated, but yeah, I agree. Like, there's better ways to, you know, address the situation, and you should be uh, professional and stick by the company, and you know, just kind of uh, keep keep things on a hush. A now, bit. get funny enough, Gary. He did mention that there was some staffing problems with Kingdom Hearts Three and just Square Enix in general. Keep in mind, this kind of matches up a little bit with what was going on with Final Fantasy Fifteen and also Final Fantasy Seven Remake. Uh, really 15 being the game I feel like was the one that all hands on deck were for that game and that remember he was supposed to be the director of that game at one point or he had a big hand in Final Fantasy 15 and then it went to uh, uh, what is it Tabata-san at one point and then the same thing happened now with Final Fantasy 7 uh, remake and I, I, a lot of that stuff is being changed up because originally that got sent out to the Naruto team at CyberConnect 2 and now they're bringing that back in in house for a lot of their stuff so i feel like there is some truth to that and that's understandable because even for a company like square enix not every big company has like a, no, a huge number of people to devote to one specific game they have multiple projects going on at the same time even though that kind of sucks in the grand scheme of things i can understand the business aspect to that or the business mindset to that but like i said i just i wasn't down with his response i i felt like that was a little bit of blame throwing you know it was like finger pointing a little bit he should have just never addressed it yeah yeah i agree so let's get to you know the news that had everyone in a frenzy so they actually announced that kingdom hearts 3 was you know coming out in 2018 i mean yeah 2018 so what were your thoughts what were your initial thoughts when you saw that because you know people are still kind of conflicted and people are still not kind of believing that but what's what's your thoughts on that Number one, I told you so. I will take this victory lap and I will take this 
as as a I told you so moment because I remember for the longest, and I'll say it again, I've said it a couple of times on this podcast, that game isn't coming out until 2018, 2019. Remember I said that? You could confirm that? Yeah. Yeah, I think we uh we both said that kind of. I said that I said that for the longest time, both on here and on the co-op podcast. Now, do I believe it's going to come out in 2018? Hell no. You want me to tell you why? Because one of a couple things is going to happen. Number one, I think that they're going to date it for the end of 2018, which is the smart move. It's a fourth quarter type of game. That's a big game. Kingdom Hearts 3, no matter when it comes out in the year, it's going to sell big. And I think they're going to want to maximize that with the fourth quarter of the year. Because traditionally, I think that Kingdom Hearts games have come out in the spring. Or at least most of the big Square Enix titles that are Japanese RPGs like Final Fantasy and stuff have come out around the springtime. With the exception of Final Fantasy 15, which was an anomaly. Again, that got yeah. that originally was going to be in the early quarter four of uh, what is it of uh, 2016, and then it got pushed back to the later part of 2016, which it was originally September, and then it got pushed back to November, I believe it was, right, or, or October. No, it was November. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I feel like this is going to be a similar thing because this is a big game. Like we haven't seen or at least understood like most of what's in the game. It's been germinating for a while. We keep getting little drips out towards it, but at least it's good to have some sort of time frame that seems realistic. Now, is it going to make it? I don't think so, but at least there's some light at the end of this tunnel, as someone once said before me. I think I think that's a good thing that we're finally getting some sort of like idea of when we can expect the game. I think that we're going to get a couple more big reveals before we actually get into, you know, the release, like, you know, the hype train of the release incoming. I think because remember, we got still got Tokyo Game Show this year. We still got Gamescom. Yeah, I think it, we got coming up. I mean, we're not going to get anything at like places like uh, like uh, PAX West. And I don't think you're going to get anything at a PSX. I would be very surprised because remember, they were supposed to do something at PSX and it just didn't happen. And then they got pushed back again and they got pushed back again afterwards. So... I, to me, that's I feel like realistically the one of the last few big things that you or big events that you see something announced about this game or revealed is both at Tokyo Game Show this year and E3 next year. E3 I fully expect to be a, a playable demo. If they're if they're saying 2018, I want a demo at, at E3 next year. I, I want a playable yeah, yeah. demo. Let me play the Hercules world. That was the first world that they revealed for this game, and then I'm all good. Then I can at least get a good mindset and feel a little bit better about how this game is progressing, even if it gets delayed in 2018 into 2019. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, and I feel like they've kind of blown their load for this year already, and I feel like we won't see this game again until probably E3 next year, in which they might even, you know, unveil a new world, maybe the frozen world, you know, you never know. But yeah, I, I, I don't feel like we're going to see, I feel like the next one we're going to see is going to be the, the Big Hero 6 world. It's going to be San Francisco. Because remember, they announced that and they didn't show it. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. That's a point. That's a good point. We could see that. But yeah, I definitely don't feel like we'll get to see any more of this game this year. So I feel like it's definitely going to be next year when we see uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 again. So, yeah. That's my thoughts on it. Yeah, but um, I'm glad it has. I'm glad it has. You know, a target release date at least. At least we have a release window. And you know, like you said uh, a few minutes ago, you know, Final Fantasy 15 was due for release in September 2016, and they got delayed. So th- these things can happen still. Um, I just hope that we actually do get the game next year. But you know, if not, then I'm not tripping if it's early 2019. You know, as long as the game's perfect when it comes out, and we know that they usually take the time to, um, you know, uh, make their games um, perfect. Funny enough, you say so. that. Funny enough, you say that because there was another thing we should address that came up at, around the time of all these interviews and stuff. There was a lot of leaks and a lot of, uh, or quote unquote leaks, I should say, and a lot of sources going around that. There's some worry from from sources or people close to Square Enix that the game is going to ship incomplete. Now, I don't necessarily believe this. I think that what what they're kind of alluding at is DLC, and I can understand that. That seems ideal that they would do this, especially since they did it for Final Fantasy 15. And I'm actually I would be cool with ex- extra DLC for Kingdom Hearts. Like if they give me another world to explore as like story based content with a season pass, I'm totally fine with that. Even though I don't like season passes. But I can understand that being a conversation being had or or maybe something that they're thinking about. Because, granted, if they want to meet that 2018 deadline and there's people talking about how Square Enix doesn't want to delay the game anymore, that would be the most ideal solution for them to do that. So you ship out 
with however many worlds you're going to have by the time you get to that time frame, or at least let's say for argument's sake, by like middle next year, like by the summer of next year. And then the game is due out the end of the year by like holiday 2018. Right. Then after that into 2019, like towards the spring, you have DLC, you give them like a world to explore an additional Disney world to go explore that. I'd see to me, that seems more realistic than anything else. But do you, do you think the same way? Um, that that does seem like something they would do, definitely. Um, I personally have mixed feelings about it, though, because um, the way they did it in Final Fantasy XV, I'm not a huge fan of, even though I did like Episode Prompt 2, but I don't like how it felt like in the main game they were deliberately cutting out chunks of the game, kind of, like, to, you know, sell it as DLC later. Like, the, these characters would disappear in the story and be like, oh, I can't tell you what happened, or yada, 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 and then you have to find out with the DLC, basically. Like, I didn't like that approach to it. Like, I feel like you should try and make the game as complete as possible, and then, you know, give us extra content as well, you know, um, on top I of agree. that for us to buy. So, yeah, that I hope that that's the approach they take. Like, you know, focus on making the game fully complete with no plot holes or no holes in the story at all no chunks taken out you know just give us give us a solid and a complete story and then give us more content later that we can buy it because then we'll be happy to buy it if we know that we've already been satisfied so yeah um that's how how i want them to approach it but it seems like square enix does race against the clock a lot of times and um sometimes they you know they are uh, they struggle to meet deadlines so maybe that's why they strip out some some things there could be any number of reasons and i think that a lot of it is still fallout from other projects remember this kingdom Hearts 3 was supposedly being developed a uh, parallel alongside with final fantasy 15 then you had all the final fantasy 14 stuff now they got final fantasy 7 remake and that's not even counting all the other projects that we still haven't really seen yet or that we've had coming down the pipeline or had released within the last couple of months I mean, there, there's a lot of different factors that could play into that. But if that was the route that they were going, or according to what people are saying right now, because, again, we don't know. We haven't spoken to anybody at Square Enix just yet. Uh, but I feel like eventually we're going to find out. We'll know come E3 next year. We'll, we'll get a hopefully a better idea of where this game will be at. I really do want them to have a demo. I, I think that if they want to really show like how far this game has come and how much of a good place it's at, then show us a playable demo. Let us control it and let us get a good mindset of it. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing or whether they really want to do that, that's anybody's guest at this point. But I, I'm with you on that where you want them, if they were to do DLC, you want them to handle it right and make it feel additional, not make it feel like stuff that, that was kind of missing in action, which is what everybody's worries it is at this moment. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so was there any uh, final comments you wanted to make about Kingdom Hearts 3 before we move on? Uh, I will say that it's interesting that we did get a couple good nuggets of information from that trailer. We now, instead of having three part, uh, three members in your party, like two partners alongside Sora, now you're going to have a five-man group, which in the trailer, it was Mickey Donald, it was Sora, Donald, and Goofy, and Buzz and Woody together, all five of them fighting in, in roaming around the environment. That's a big deal. That's a huge change from the original formula. That's also uh, a testament to how good Unreal Engine 4 is working for them. I think that not only can they make bigger worlds, but they, it seems like they could do a myriad of extra stuff that might make the battles much more grand and much more fun and much more immersive. Because you want to feel like you're you're being part of that world, or at least there's a lot of different elements that are really working together to make you feel part of the worlds that you visit. And obviously, swapping out your party members, I think, uh, you know, in the previous games was part of the limitations of the hardware back in the day, both with the PlayStation 2 and the PlayStation 3, and now the PS4 with the HD uh, re-releases. But now that seems like they're going to really go all out. And besides the number of enemies that are on screen and how big some of the Heartless can get, and even the crazy effects for the summons and the flow, the attraction flow stuff, all that looks great. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, I'm excited, man. Like, you know, this got me definitely wanting to complete the um, the uh, the HD remix and stuff. You got so. time. You got time right now. You got you got six games, technically five, because I feel like you could skip Chain of Memories, but you got five games at least to get through between now and 2018, you know, with a potential 2019 delay. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to have the time to get through them all, but I definitely want to at least get through, you know, Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 at some point, but I will try and get through as many of them as possible. 
Um, but yeah, there's time, and I'm very excited. Uh, we saw some great stuff at D23 for sure. Um, but moving on, we're gonna touch on some Final Fantasy now because Final Fantasy 12, the Zodiac Age, actually released last week, and you know, um, J- JJ did a preview of it previously. And I actually just published a review of it yesterday. So um, definitely go check those two articles out at thecoalition.com to see our thoughts on that. But we're also going to talk about it right now as well. So uh, what's your um, what's your thoughts on Final Fantasy XII, Zodiac Age? And do you have experience with the original game as well? Now, I dabbled in the original. I never completed it, and I haven't completed it now. I'm taking my time with it because there's a lot of other games and a lot of other stuff happening now these days. But I will say I was pretty impressed with how well it actually felt pretty good when I was playing it. Uh, For a game that was released back in the PlayStation 2 era, being re-released now in the modern day, it seems like they put a lot of love into quality of life stuff that you would expect to see in a re-release or a remastering. Very similar to what they did with Final Fantasy X HD Remaster, I feel like this one was taken even further. Like, additional stuff like speeding up the movement in the battles. One of the biggest complaints from what people told me and what I was reading about was that the speed at which things move in Final Fantasy XII really, like, elongates the experience as far as, like, how much time you spend doing a lot of different stuff. And that's a nice touch to speed everything up with the touch of a button or the flick of a button. Uh, the map... I feel like the map is pretty good and from what people told me is that the map used to be a lot worse in the original game and this one it feels like a lot more streamlined, a lot more clear, a lot more detailed and it allows you to get from point A to point B a lot faster and kind of navigate your way around the different environments. And even though I I know there's a lot of people out there that aren't fans of the battle system, I can understand it. To me, when I was playing it from really like having spent time with it this time and, and, and really... Uh, getting into the nitty gritty of it. I feel like it's a real big hybrid of like the ATB system from like games like Final Fantasy 4 and Final Fantasy 6 with uh, elements of like an MMO where again you're moving around freely so it's trying to be that real time turn based battle system hybrid and for some people I can understand why that doesn't work too well because you either want one or the other and I feel like with this game it would have been better for me if it was just all real time battling. You know, again, I'm saying that coming off games like Final Fantasy 15 now, where that's a little bit more commonplace, but they were really kind of exploring the different battle systems or what they could do with battle systems in the franchise back then on PS2. And it's still, I feel like it still holds up today for me anyway. At least that's how I felt when I was writing my preview. But tell me what, what did you think about it? Cause you just published your review now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't have too much of a problem with the battle system. I can see why people uh, might not like it. But, you know, um, just thinking about their mindset back then, because they had just released um, Final Fantasy XI, which was essentially their first MMO project. And I think they kind of wanted to incorporate that style into Final Fantasy XII. So it makes sense that, you know, it's it, it does feel like an MMO um, a little bit. So uh, I don't have too much of a problem with it. And what I really like is the Gambit system, because I feel like... Um, it really makes the gambit system shine, you know, being able to um, put set different behaviors for for your your party members and, you know, watch them all do different things. So like now instead of, you know, your party being, um, you know, your party might be low in health and they might have status ailments or something like that. Um, instead of having to sacrifice your turn to to cure everyone and, you know, remedy everyone now you can just set specific behaviors for you know for these two characters or something and then the other two can continue to attack the enemies so like you're not kind of giving up a turn to to um heal your party essentially so i like that you can do that with the gambits and it's a very complex system but it's very fun at the same time to experiment with different things and um, one would think as well that being able to use the gambits that you know the game would just play itself and it would get too easy but later on it does get difficult and you have to keep tweaking and switching up the gambits and stuff which is cool so i I like that kind of strategy element to it as well i think that's kind of cool you Uh, you know what it reminds me of a little bit i think it's fine and i was going to say it reminds me or it gives me reminiscing of final fantasy 13 
Like I feel like I could see a lot of similarities between the two because the paradigm yeah. system, the paradigm ships, and the gambit system—they're very, very similar in the way that they're designed. Especially in the later ends of the game, you know, as you get further into it, you have to micromanage a lot more, and you have to kind of like you know <laughs> be a little bit more strategic and stuff. I, I feel like it, it reminds me of that. Now, one thing I do want to mention that I think we should recognize visually, this game holds up even now today oh, like yeah. it was still beautiful yeah. back then on playstation 2 because they were doing that on the ps2 hardware which i think was good but now besides the quicker loading times which is great uh the smooth out graphics the effects are a little bit more polished the music is remastered there's there's remastered tracks in here and and you have the original soundtrack which i think is great the presentation of this game is on point and i think that's really really good yeah. and this is how you should uh, you know present a game that's getting remastered or at least give it the love and care like that when it comes to visuals, when it comes to music, and just overall things just looking nicer for this release. Yeah, and they definitely deserve a lot of praise for the work that they put into you know these visuals because I I think I remember hearing that they didn't even have a lot of those assets you know accessible, so they had to kind of redo a lot of things, a lot of textures and facial animations and like stuff like that, like facial textures and everything else so they put a lot of work in to really remaster this game so um it's definitely um something that you know i, I appreciate them doing because um this was one of the games i wanted to revisit because i didn't actually like you i didn't actually get to beat this back in the day i did get kind of far into it but it was at a time when the playstation 3 was just coming out so um yeah i kind of it kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit for me um so yeah um, it was great to to kind of revisit this game again and with I a agree. new coat of paint and everything else. Um, they did they did an excellent job, and I like that you can um, seamlessly switch between the original soundtrack and the remastered version. Stuff like that is is great attention to detail. I think I don't think you so, could do that in, in ten remaster, right? I think you could only do it from the menus at the start, right? When yeah, you, you have to select music. which one you want, which one you want from the start. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right on that. So yeah, um, definitely a thumbs up from me. Um, would you say that this is like that Final Fantasy XII is a good starting point? Because I had this question um, the other day, like, is this a good starting mm, point for someone to get into no, Final Fantasy? No, I, I don't think so. Honestly, I don't think it's a good start. I, I think the story is something that if you've played Final Fantasy games before, you should play this. Because I think that I got engrossed in the story when I was playing it. I played it for about three four hours at one point when i when i just sat down and i just played and i got engrossed in it because it bars a lot of elements from classic final fantasy it feels like those older games from like four beforehand from like the s uh final fantasy four to three two and one like it feels a little bit like that but interpreted in a modern at least for that time a modern uh console or modern game experience but i don't know if this is a good jumping in point uh to be honest with you i feel like the gambit system and the way that battles play out, and even some of the exploring can be a little bit too much for people that have maybe never played the game before. I still think that if you want a good Final Fantasy to jump in on, I think it's Final Fantasy X because that's yeah, a little bit more, completely. a lot more streamlined. Uh, I feel like the the battle system is a little bit more simpler, even though it could get complex towards the later halves or or later like fifth of the game when you start getting passed into more of the aeons and like some of the other side quests that's when it can get complicated but overall that's a simple final fantasy game and it has a more of a streamlined story too with a lot of archetypes and stuff so i, I don't know i wouldn't say 12 is the game where you jump in on it i still think the best one though is 15 right now as far as a jumping point if you're someone that's coming into gaming right now that's your Final Fantasy where you jump into because it doesn't, it does, it has elements and properties of the previous Final Fantasy games without the complexity of the Final Fantasy games from beforehand. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, if you're a modern gamer, 15 is definitely a good one to try and start with because it's modern and you know you you'll be able to um, fit into it more, I guess. But I definitely have to agree with you in saying 10 is the the excellent, the ultimate starting point. And that was actually my starting point. That was the first Final Fantasy game that I played. And then that made me, me go back and play other ones. So That's the um, one I yeah, paid attention I, I to when I first started. Mm -hmm. That's the one. And then from there, I went to 7, 8, and 9. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty much the same for me as well. So yeah, um, definitely 10. And, you know, 10 is remastered for both both the PS3 and the PS4. So, you know, you can yeah, actually yeah. go and get it. Yeah, and on PC. So it's everywhere. Oh, there you go. 
but yeah um final fantasy 12 the zodiac age is definitely good I, I i recommend people check it out i know um 2017 is a year that's already had a lot of great jrpgs and rpgs in general but you know um zodiac age definitely it you know it deserves at least some attention you know maybe you can get it and play it a little later on when you don't have anything else to play but um it definitely worth picking up in my opinion what's your this final is a year of great remasters i was gonna say this is a great year for remasters because final fantasy 12 zodiac age is a great remastering of, of final fantasy 12 we also had crash bandicoot insane trilogy which is another great remastering of a classic series or a classic uh games that were released back in the day there's been 2017 has been a very good year overall especially for rpgs like i mean it's insane the types of games we got especially in such a short time frame yeah for sure i still want to go back and play um tales of first Rio as well um because I, I never completed that so that's yeah. one that i think Some... people are going to miss out on because look at the time frame when that came up because before that we had uh near automata automata we had mm-hmm. persona 5 that's we had horizons well horizons here though that's not a jrpg but like there's a uh, legend of zelda breath of the wilds we had all the stuff dragon quest heroes 2 came out as well i mean there, there's even another dragon quest coming out real soon there's a lot a lot of big games yeah yeah, there's there's so many, so many for sure. But um, uh, did you have something about Dissidia NT you wanted to talk about the beta? Yeah, so Dissidia NT or Dissidia Final Fantasy NT, right, uh, is going to be getting a closed beta. Now they don't have a date for the closed beta. Apparently, there's there's a couple ways, or at least one main way to to get into the closed beta and that's to register with Square Enix members which is their website their 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 members website where you know you can interact with their forums and do all types of different stuff but the point is, is that the beta for this game is coming soon and i think that this beta is going to be the same build that we played while we were at E3 now we both i think we both got to play Dissidia right did you get to play it cuz i played it i actually i actually didn't get to play it in the end cuz i uh, i was going to try um on the last day but i just ran out of time okay so i played it I played it a total of three times when I was at E3. I played it once before the PlayStation conference and twice while I was on the floor at the Square Enix booth. And I got to mess with different characters here and there. Uh, I really believe that that's the beta, what it's going to be, the online beta, more than likely. Uh, it's probably going to have it where you could probably fight the computer. It'll probably have it where you could fight other players online in three-on-three battles, which is the most ideal scenario to me. Uh, we don't know for certain because they haven't really been clear about it, but they haven't even given us a date yet. They're only just telling people that you could register for the closed beta. And my guess is, and they kind of alluded to it, that it'll be out sometime before the game comes out. So maybe later on this year, I would hope I, that would make sense to me. I don't think it's coming out. Uh, what is it? Early 2018. I, the most ideal like point that they could say it could probably come out would probably be like spring 2018 or summer 2018. But Again, all we have to go on right now is that they said that there's a closed beta coming. So if you have a Square Enix members account, if you haven't already registered for it yet, you might want to get on that so you could sign up for the closed beta. Because I, I think we're both signed up for the closed beta, right? You, you signed up for it or no, you haven't done so yet. I haven't done so yet, but I'm definitely going to um, maybe even after we finish this. Yeah, it's, it's out there now. So, you, so. so if you're listening to this at this point, you haven't yet, Go, don't worry. It's already out there. You can just Google it. You can find it easily. But this is going to be cool because I want to spend more time with this game. I want to see if there's anything that's been changed uh, by this point. But even though I still believe it's going to be the same build that we played in E3, it's more Dissidia. Can't, can't go wrong with that. What I'm hoping is that they get to allow us to play with some of the newer characters that were announced in the arcade version, which is like uh, Ramza from Tactics. Uh, what is it? Uh, Ace from, uh, what is it? Type Zero? Or Final Fantasy, yeah, Final Fantasy Type Zero, and then uh, yeah, any right. of the other characters that we haven't got to see yet. Um, so, how did it feel when you actually played at E3? And like, is it is it like it, was there an element of skill to it, or did it feel like button mashing or something? It, it was more button mashing at that point in time than skill, but it could be a skillful game. Again, there's a lot of stuff that you have to think about and pay attention to, including your your brave damage, which you could use to deal actual damage to a person's health. You have to keep in mind because there's six people on the map. There's three versus three, and there's larger maps. So you're not. it's not like in the original Dissidia on PSP where it's 1v1 and then you have an assist character that helps you out. It's, uh, you have to pay attention to all the chaos that's going on on screen. And then you have to pay attention to the summons because each team could choose a summon, an Aeon, or, or any sort of like summon monster. And 
if you do well in the matchup or if you certain things happen you get gather enough ex meter you could call your summon and you could do really big damage or cause all types of crazy effects against the other team so there is elements of strategy and kind of skill that's thrown into it. When I was playing, though, and what I saw everybody else play, because everybody's still getting their footing with it and doesn't really understand the game as much, even though they played the PSP games, everybody was button mashing because they just wanted to play with their favorite Final Fantasy characters. But I will say, looks good on the PlayStation 4. That game was built on PS4 hardware for the arcades. It looks pretty damn good. What I'm hoping to see is more characters, including the villains, at some point, uh, to see how good they look. Uh, on the PlayStation 4 with these graphics. And I want to see a new character, so on top of that. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I definitely want to see all the characters that they're going to be adding into this game. And I'm sure we're going to get, you know, Noctis or someone from a, a more um, a new, newer Final Fantasy game in there as well. So, yeah, looking forward to more news on I, this. I believe Noctis is coming. I really believe Noctis yeah. is coming. He's, he's probably coming very, very soon. I would not be surprised if by Tokyo Game Show we have an announcement, like an official announcement, that he's in the game. And if not him, probably one of the other characters. But I really believe it's going to be him because he's the one that makes the most sense as far as like the way that his character's designed and his powers and abilities that would be in a Final Fantasy game like this one. What I want to see is if other Final Fantasy game characters make an appearance. Like I would love to see a Mystic Quest character. I think that that could be a discussion had. And there's other characters from other games that should get represented at some point. Besides the mainline yeah. Final Fantasy games, which are going to be in there because those are the staples. But I want to see other characters. Like, we still got characters from Dissidia Duodecim that we haven't seen yet in this game. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I definitely feel like uh, Tokyo Game Show is, is the best time to announce more characters and stuff. So Agreed. That sounds definitely. like a good time. Yeah, for sure. So... Yeah, uh, before we get out of here, I did want to bring this game up. We we actually mentioned it um, a while ago. Persona 5. Now, I know when this game came out, you know, you got it right away and, you know, you were playing it and everything. And you were telling me, like, this game, this game is amazing. And, you know, it took me a while to get to it. Say that again? I've been banging the drum yeah. for this game ever since before it came out with everybody. That, they, again, if you haven't read my review of Persona 5 on the Coalition right now, I, that's the only game thus far that I reviewed in all the years I've been with us that I've given 100. because, And I think it deserves it, like straight up. There, there's That's one of those games that does not come around very often. And again, reviews are subjective for every different person. Like Everybody's going to feel different about a game here or there, but this is a game that everybody needs to play, I feel like, on PlayStation 4. They, they, you really owe it yourself. If you love RPGs or just JRPGs, or even if you like Persona in general, you need to play this game, straight up. Yeah, could not have said it better myself. And, you know, I I had little experience with Persona. I did, at the end of last year, I did um, start playing Persona 4 Golden on, on uh, the Vita, because I remember I asked you about that, and, you know, I ended up actually buying it for the Vita and I played some of it and that was cool but you know that even that didn't prepare me for how amazing um, Persona 5 is like this game is you know it just sucks you in from the moment you start playing it's so engrossing the storytelling like it's it's really captivating man like I, I never expected it to be like this good I mean I heard everyone saying it was good but I was like is it really that good I had some doubt in my mind still but like you know, when I when I started playing the game, I was like, okay, look, JJ should slap me right now for forever doubting this because, like, you know, this game is incredible, and everyone who's a fan of RPGs, I feel like, you know, you owe it to yourself to play this game and see what all the fuss is about because, you know, everything about this game, I love it. Like the the battle system, it's you know it's stylistic it's fluid i like the pacing of it like it's not slow or anything because people when they think turn-based they think it's like a slow game and everything but it's really not like it's really fast paced it's complex it makes you think about your next move and what you should be doing um the music sure. is it, i love the music in this game go ahead I was going to say, Gary, let me ask you, like, because some people, one of their common complaints about Persona 5 is some of the characters. They feel like they're a little bit too archetypal or, like, too anime archetype-y, I want to say. I know that's not a word. But, like, did, did you enjoy the characters? Did you like them? Because I like them. I, I mean, they're, they're very archetypal in some regard. Like, there's always these tropes that there's going to be there in anime-inspired media. But that didn't bother me at all. Like, I was so in it. 
Yeah, no, I I loved the characters. Now, it might be because I actually like anime. I don't know, but I have no problems with with the characters at all, and they don't feel like tropes to me at all. Because I know there are some common tropes that you know people sort of um, look down on or make fun of when it comes to anime. But I didn't see a lot of that in this.、Um, they feel, you know, just real cheer- cheerful and genuine, and just you know, it mixes the humor in with the serious, and it does it well. You know, it's not, it's not, in, it's not cliche, and it's not cheesy in any way. Like I feel like it's very well presented.、Um, hmm. In that regard, what do you think about it? I, I again, I, I splurged about this game so many times. With it, I the characters didn't bother me. I love the style. I think the presentation is what sells that game. Everything else just falls right into place along with it because you get so caught up in the visual and the spectacle of all of it. Even stuff in one of my main points that I tried to tell everybody, and and I still don't think a lot of people really understand what I what I'm getting at when when I say it. But it's really where no matter how many times you do the same thing in that game, it feels just as hype and just as enjoyable as the hundred the first hundred times that you did it. And I keep telling everybody that, and some people understand what I'm saying. Most people don't until they actually play it, or until they go back and really look at the game again when they're getting into battles or when they get into、uh, some of the stuff in、uh, what is it, the the big、uh, palace in the center of、uh, of the city. Um,、uh, oh damn, I forgot the name of it right now. The oh the, the, the giant Yanoimi.、Uh. The giant, the giant palace. That that's not the one in in any specific person's heart, but the the main giant palace that you go to, which is like where you go to grind and you go to do side missions and stuff. But every time that you go into there, or every time that you go do the same activities in the same locations in in the town or in the 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 city area or even by the school, it just feels special. Everything about that game just makes everything the littlest things feel special. Even when you're taking your character to go to like a cafe to just you know have them study so you can get your your、uh, was it your knowledge up your knowledge meter up and become like a super powerful personality. And stuff that's very grindy stuff in a JRPG, but Persona Five makes it fun. It makes it you know pass the time real easily. You could be playing that game for four or five hours and not realize it. It just that's、yeah. how like caught up in that game you could get it. And the music is just fantastic. The battle system, I feel, it's simple and it's made to be simple, but it could become in depth if you let it become in depth. As far as like the weaknesses and the different resistances for certain enemies, and then also capturing the personas. Where you kind of like you know bargain with them or you try to persuade them. That's a very old school、uh, Shimagami Tensei approach to the monsters. That's pulled from like Persona One and Two, I believe it is Persona Two and Assassin, and some of the old SMT games. But they implemented it in a fun way where it didn't feel overly complicated and it doesn't overbear you. That's one thing I will say about this game: it never overbears you. And I, I, I find it amazing how some people when they review it, they say that certain things become a little bit overbearing. I was like, well, I don't see it. Whatsoever, there. Everything about this feels like it's held back just enough for you to want to get engrossed in it, and when you finally are engrossed in it, you enjoy it so much you just want to keep going. Yeah, exactly. And I love the whole, you know, having your own schedule in the game kind of thing because it really makes you think about how to approach, you know, each day and how you're going to develop your character and how you're going to actually actually approach. Um, you know, defeating the palace and everything. Like, I like that. You know,、um, that mechanic to it—the the fact that there's that you're actually living out these days. And I understand that it, it does get frustrating when、um, once Morgana is kind of dictating what you can and can't do.、Um, you know, sometimes he doesn't let you、um, go out at night, or you can't play a crossword puzzle, or you're forced to kind of go back to the palace. Or whatever, like, but the, I understand the reason they do that because they don't want you to be able to overlevel kind of thing、um, at certain points. But、uh, once once you do actually have a palace to approach, like you get it opens up and it gives you more freedom about how you approach each day at that point. And I like that, you know, it kind of gives you a lot of freedom to do what you want. And you know, even those、um, moments that you would consider mundane as like, you know. Walking to the train station or going to a cafe, like you said, you know those moments are special because you know you you always have some sort of special purpose for doing everything. So yeah, it's a really special、Definitely. game, man. 
like yeah, it. It, it, all that stuff that you mentioned never really bothered me. And for some people, it does bother them. And there's like, yo, it's a fantastic game. But these are the things that knock it down. And they put they put other games that came out around that time frame a little bit higher. But I was like, no, I, I feel like as a total package, despite those little gripes, Persona 5 really brings it. It really is a game that I think a lot of people need to play on their PlayStation 4. It, it deserves, this was the coming out party of the series. And I feel like this is the big launching point of the series into the mainstream. And I think deservedly so because it sold really well and here in the united states and it yeah. sold even better in japan from my understanding and it was it did really good and it deserves it very well it deserves all the praise that it gets because it, it is that good of a well designed and well complete package of a gaming experience yeah i agree and if i would have reviewed the game as well i would have gave, given it 100 so i completely agree with with that score like because this is the rpg game that i've wanted to play for a very long time to be honest with you so this is still my game of the year yeah. this is still my game of the year this year and and i say that in a year where we've had so many good games again look at the competition that it's had within the span of a couple months we had horizon we had near we had uh was it the legend of zelda breath of the wilds then you got persona 5 and then there's not even counting all the other games that come out after all that i mean it this has been such a big year for big budgeted and really highly popular and you know uh crazy games that have been released in such a short time frame that i feel like this was the game that got everything right or felt like it had everything as right as you could possibly get within a package despite little gripes here and there because i feel like all the big games this year have little shortcomings in their own ways but they all provide like their own different unique experiences that are just phenomenal yeah like i don't i honestly don't have like one major gripe with this game to be honest with you like i i love everything about it and that's why I give it 100. one of the biggest gripes. One of the biggest gripes that people could say is that it's so long because it could take like about 100 plus hours to complete it. That's that yeah. that's only though if you don't understand what type of game you're getting into. And I don't think that's a fault of the game. I just think that that's the at that point it's the fault of the person just like not getting that experience. Even though everybody really kind of feels differently about games, you have to understand that those long experiences, that long investment of time, that's what comes with the genre. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's that's true. And, you know, I knew about that, you know, going into it. And that was one of the things that worried me. But to be honest with you, the game is so like addictive that you, you don't notice that I was going by. Like I'm already like um, th past 30 hours in and it doesn't feel like I've been playing it that long at all. Like it it just go it flies by because you're so invested, um, you know, once you start playing. But um, yeah, definitely love the game. And I'm looking forward to, you know, more Persona games in the future. I hope they're working on more. Um, are they actually oh, working on anything else? Uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to be working on more stuff down the line. I know that this one took a long time, but you could best believe there's going to be other Persona media related to this. If not more Persona 5 related stuff, we are definitely going to get a Persona 6, but it won't be anytime soon. It'll be down the line. Okay, and can you explain um, the difference between uh, Shimigami Tensei and Persona? Because I, I always thought they were the same. The big, big kind of comparison, or, or really what makes those two series different, is that Shimagami Tensei or SMT is a lot more complicated. It's a lot more in depth, and it makes things a lot more grind heavy. Kind of like what a traditional JRPG is supposed to be like. That's what makes that so kind of like a huge time investment for a lot of people and that's what really people get intimidated on when they think about jrpgs that's the thing that really pushes people away now on the flip side of that persona is everything about that genre or everything about smt that made it good with the exception of a few things and streamlines it it makes it a lot more easier to get into it makes it a lot more easier to get invested into the experience and into the real deep portions of the game that's what makes persona so good because it's it's really uh, a catering to the mainstream but in a much better way than what people would think when they think of that same type of uh that phrasing it's not trying to pander to you it's just trying to get you to ease into everything a lot better okay so are other two games connected in any way or or what or is it just like the same people that make it well they're separate series they're the same people that make it or at least you know same grouping of people that make it but they're not really related you know par they have parallels where the monsters that you see in Shimagami Tensei, you'll probably also see in Persona, specifically that Jack Frost character. If you ever saw the new Shimagami Tensei uh, trailer, that was for the what is it for the Nintendo Switch? You saw that little Jack Frost monster. He's also in Persona Five, but those also yeah. make an appearance throughout all of the games. 
here and there. So there are parallels like that, but they're not really super related to each other. They're own, they're their own series at one point. Okay, yeah, I just wanted to I wanted some explanation on that because I didn't quite understand. But thanks for that. But yeah, um, to summarize, Persona Five is great. Everyone should check it out if you have some interest in RPGs. Um, but that's pretty much all we wanted to talk about today. But I'm sure we will be back again in the future whenever, you know, something major happens that we absolutely have to talk about. We got episode um, Ignis next month or, or in about a month or two. That's coming down the line. Yeah. 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 There's going to be a lot to talk about, um, you know, in the next few months. And I'm sure, um, TGS, that's in September as well. So exactly. yeah, there's going to be some things, some things to discuss in the future. But besides that, make sure you guys check out the co-op podcast every Sunday. You know, and check out all the other things we have going on the site as well. Um, we have a lot of reviews and previews, and you know, we we talk about TV shows, you know, pop culture, a lot of different things. So make sure you're checking out thecoalition.com. That's the coalition with K. And for now, um, we're going to be making a move. So you got any final words, JJ? Uh, yeah, just shout out to everybody listening. Shout out to everybody that's been leaving comments on all the editorials, all the reviews, all the co-op podcasts, our YouTube videos. We really appreciate it. We really uh, uh, take, uh, you know, we're really thankful for all the support and feedback that you guys give to us. Keep that communication going. Keep hitting us up on there in the comments section. Keep hitting us up on Twitter constantly. You know, we, we want to make sure that you guys are loving the content. Uh, also, keep letting me know if you guys have been enjoying the unboxing videos, because not so long ago, I did an unboxing for the Tekken 7 Collector's Edition on Xbox One. I actually got sent that from Bandai Namco, and hopefully down the line in the nearby future, we have others that we get to do that we actually get to cover, as well as other, like, you know, big little surprises here and there, because we got some games coming very soon. I know that uh, at some point I'm going to be checking out some of the DLC for, for new games coming down the line. I know we had uh, some stuff for Injustice recently, and we also got Tekken 7 coming down uh, coming very very soon I think in the next like month or so uh, we're going to check out the Tekken 7 DLC and then obviously like I mentioned episode Ignis for Final Fantasy 15 which we'll probably talk about here on turn based but uh, we got a lot of stuff that you guys are going to love hope you guys check out Gary's review of Final Fantasy 12 it's up now check out all the other videos we got check out the new co-op podcast and let us know if you've been enjoying it indeed so yeah take care people leave your comments let us know what you think and um, we'll see you next time Take it easy. See ya.